Hi everyone, my name is Megan Barber, and I am the Associate Pastor at Grace United Methodist Church in Huntsville, Alabama. Today I will be sharing with you some thoughts on Exodus 32 through the first part of 33. I am going to read this passage from the Message Translation, just so that we can hear it in a different format that's a little different than what we typically hear it. So hear these words, beginning with verse 1 of chapter 32. When the people realized that Moses was taking forever in coming down off the mountain, they rallied around Aaron and said, Do something. Make gods for us who will lead us. That Moses, the man who got us out of Egypt, who knows what's happened to him? So Aaron told them, Take off the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. They all did it. They removed the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from their hands and cast it in the form of a calf, shaping it with an engraving tool. The people responded with enthusiasm. These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up from Egypt. Aaron, taking in the situation, built an altar before the calf. Aaron then announced, Tomorrow is a feast day to God. Early the next morning, the people got up and offered whole burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. The people sat down to eat and drink and then began to party. It turned into a wild party. God spoke to Moses, Go, get down there. Your people whom you brought up from the land of Egypt have fallen to pieces. In no time at all, they've turned away from the way I commanded them. They made a molten calf and worshipped it. They've sacrificed to it and said, These are the gods, O Israel, that brought you up from the land of Egypt. And God said to Moses, I look at this people. Oh, what a stubborn, hard-headed people. Let me alone now. Give my anger free reign to burst into flames and incinerate them. But I'll make a great nation out of you. Moses tried to calm his God down. He said, why God, would you lose your temper with your people? Why? You brought them out of Egypt in a tremendous demonstration of power and strength. Why let the Egyptians say he had it in for them? He brought them out so he could kill them in the mountains, wipe them right off the face of the earth. Stop your anger. Think twice about bringing evil against your people. Think of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants whom you gave your word, telling them, I will give you many children, as many as the stars in the sky, and I'll give this land to your children as their land forever. And God did think twice. He decided not to do the evil he had threatened against his people. Moses turned around and came down from the mountain, carrying the two tablets of the testimony. The tablets are written on both sides, front and back. God made the tablets, and God wrote the tablets, engraved them. When Joshua heard the sound of the people shouting noisily, he said to Moses, 
That's the sound of war in the camp. But Moses said, Those aren't songs of victory, and those aren't songs of defeat. I hear songs of people throwing a party. And that's what it was. When Moses came near the camp, he saw the calf and the people dancing. His anger flared. He threw down the tablets and smashed them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made, melted it down with fire, pulverized it into powder, then scattered it on the water and made the Israelites drink it. Moses said to Aaron, What on earth did these people ever do to you that you involved them in this huge sin? Aaron said, Master, don't be angry. You know this people and how set on evil they are. They said to me, Make us gods who will lead us. This Moses, the man who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. So I said, Who has gold? And they took off their jewelry and gave it to me. I threw it in the fire and came and out came this calf. Moses saw that the people were simply running wild. Aaron had let them run wild, disgracing themselves before their enemies. He took up a position at the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on God's side, join me. All the Levites stepped up. He then told them, God's orders, the God of Israel, strap on your swords and go to work. Crisscross the camp from one end to the other. Kill brother, friend, neighbor. The Levites carried out Moses' orders. 3,000 of the people were killed that day. And Moses said, you confirmed your ordination today and at great cost, even killing your sons and brothers. And God has blessed you. The next day, Moses addressed the people. You have sinned an enormous sin, but I am going to go up to God. Maybe I will be able to clear you of your sin. Moses went back to God and said, This is terrible. This people has sinned. It is a, it's an enormous sin. They made gods of gold for themselves. And now, if you will only forgive their sin... But if not, erase me out of the book you've written. God said to Moses, I'll only erase from my book those who sin against me. For right now, you go and lead the people to where I told you. Look, my angel is going ahead of you. On the day, though, when I settle accounts, their sins will certainly be part of the settlement. God sent a plague on the people because of the calf they and Aaron had made. Verse 31 of chapter 33. God said to Moses, Now go, get on your way from here, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Head for the land which I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel ahead of you, And I'll drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. But I won't be with you in person. You're such a stubborn, hard-headed people, lest I destroy you on the journey. 
When the people heard this harsh verdict, they were plunged into gloom and wore long faces. No one put on jewelry. And God said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, You're one hard-headed people. I couldn't stand being with you for even a moment. I destroy you. So take off all your jewelry until I figure out what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped themselves of the jewelry from Mount Horeb on. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Early on, we identify a root cause of all the chaos that we read about in this passage. And it's fear. Fear is what led to the creation of the golden calf. Moses has been gone for about 40 days at this point. He has been in the mountain with God as God is writing out the the covenant on the two stone tablets and is telling Moses about all the things that are ahead for the Israelites, giving instructions about the different laws like Sabbath laws and purification laws and sacrificial laws as well as instructions for building the tabernacle for God to be in the midst of his people, this people that he has just brought out of a land where they have never experienced true freedom, where they have been enslaved. And so these whole guidelines that that God is giving Moses is to teach these once enslaved people about how to truly be free and what life under the governance of God looks like. But what we find out is that these people are so fearful that Moses is not going to return. And that fear just keeps growing and it makes them anxious and it makes them um, start to question the future. And so Their fear about being abandoned is what drives to the creation of this calf. And Aaron's fear that the people are going to come at him if he doesn't give in to them and listen to them is what drives him into ultimately helping them make this idol. So we see that fear, fear makes us do some very unwise things. Fear keeps us from moving forward. It keeps us from experiencing the life more abundant that God promises us. It makes us stagnant. It makes us do things that we think in the moment will alleviate our anxiety, but actually creates events that create more anxiety or more chaos. And fear has a power of making the thing that we most feared actually come true. That fear that the Israelites show here in this passage, it costs them a lot. One of the things that we first see that the, the Israelites lose is they anger God. By their behavior, they break the first commandment that God has given them way back at Mount Sinai about have no other gods before God. Like that is the basis 
for the covenant that God has made for so long. And here they are just about 12 chapters from receiving the Ten Commandments, and they have already broken that that command. And they have fashioned another God out of their gold. And when we talk about they rip the jury from their bodies, okay? Like, that can be painful. Um, because some of those jury pieces were a little bit more permanent than others. And so they take these pieces and they mold it down into this calf. And then they claim that this golden calf, this is their gods, is their gods that brought them out of Egypt. They have the audacity to say that this thing that they have created is on the same level as the one who parted the Red Sea, who brought about the plagues, who provided manna and water when they were complaining about starving and thirsting to death in the wilderness. They put this on the same level as Yahweh. And God's angry. God is so angry. But we see that God ends up changing his mind after Moses reminds God, well, hold a minute, you need to follow through with that promise and that command that you gave our forefathers that you're going to make us into a great nation. And so God does relent on his anger in that moment until Moses comes down. He's carrying the two stone tablets of the covenant. And when he sees what is going on, he too gets angry and he smashes those stone tablets on the ground. Then some horrible things take place. Moses takes the calf, he grounds it up into a powder, and then he makes the Israelites drink it in their water. As someone who had braces on their teeth when they were younger, I can attest that things that you eat or drink when you have muddle in your mouth are not fantastic. And so I can imagine it was not very appeasing to have consumed these pieces of this golden calf in their water. We also see that this fear leads to blaming others. Aaron, poor Aaron, who is the high priest, blames the people for why he helped create the golden calf. He was worried that they were going to get out of hand, so he wanted to control it in some form or fashion. But Moses looks around and is like, well, they are out of hand. They're running wild. This is not what they're supposed to be doing. But Aaron never takes responsibility for being left as the second in command, as being left in charge of the people. He just blames them for what happened and dismisses his role that he plays in it. We also see that this fear that the people in Aaron had 
leads to great destruction. Moses instructs the Levites to go and and to kill brother, son, neighbor, friend, anybody who had a role in this. And it comes down to the destruction and the death of 3,000 people. And that's not to even mention who is then afflicted by the plague that God sends later on. So we see that, again, this fear now, instead of producing life or helping them to survive, actually leads to death. And it's so destructive. And it's so painful. And lastly, the, the biggest thing to point out is that their fear of abandonment leads to abandonment. We saw in the first five verses of chapter 33 where God just tells them, I can't go with you anymore. I can't physically be present with you any longer because if I do, I'm just going to destroy you because you are a stubborn, hard-headed people. And so the God who called them out of Egypt, who has been walking with them day by day through the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, is now saying, I can no longer be with you every step of this journey because you're just going to make me angry and I'm going to do something that is not going to be great. (laughs) Can you imagine that level that you have to get the God of the universe to be that angry (laughs) with you about what you're doing? And so the people experience abandonment. They experience abandonment and being left alone in this journey until God comes up with something to do with them. But luckily, the story doesn't end here, does it? We find out after this that Moses continues to lead the people on. They again have trials and things that happen. The tabernacle does get built. God does find a way to be among the people again by residing within the Holy of Holies. So there is forgiveness. There's consequences for our fear. Yes. And fear leads us to some very hard things. And yes, God's grace covers everything. But we have to go back to that first beginning. And we have to be so careful about letting our fear drive us. Because the thing that we most fear will often come about if we let the fear overtake us. So just as the people feared that they were going to be abandoned, in the end, they were. It makes me think back to um, during the pandemic when everyone feared the toilet paper shortage. So much so that people went out and bought extravagant amounts of toilet paper to stock up on. And this fear, this great fear that everybody had that they were going to run out of toilet paper actually led to a shortage of toilet paper. 
And so sometimes we make things happen because we fear that they're going to happen, even though they may not have happened if we would just let it be. If the people would have never been so fearful that Moses wasn't going to return, then who knows what that journey would have looked like for them. It sure wouldn't have led to so much destruction that happened. But in the end, it did. And they had to face the consequences for those fear. Just like during the pandemic, we had to face the fear of living without toilet paper or having to look very hard to find some. So we have to be careful about letting that fear control us. So what are you most fearful of as we are entering into this year of 2024? I mean, there are things that are on our thoughts and minds. We have general conference coming up. We have the future of the church, future of our local churches. Also, all the things that are happening in our own personal lives, whether there are new diagnoses, whether there are some financial struggles, whether there are just some unknowns um, where we just don't know what the future lies and we worry about being abandoned or alone. It's okay to feel that fear, but it's another thing entirely to allow that fear to rule us into doing something rash. That it overcomes us and we let it overcome our faith. And so I encourage you to acknowledge your fear, but then also to give that fear over to the one true God, the God who does provide, the God who will forgive us, gives us grace, who won't abandon us, and will always find a way to be with us. So let us pray together. Almighty and gracious God, we just thank you for being reminded that the words that you have echoed so many times throughout Scripture of do not be afraid, do not be afraid. We hear that in the Old Testament. We hear it in the New Testament that we live into that of not being afraid, not allowing our fear to overcome us and to rule us and to keep us from following you and listening to your voice and listening to your guidance. Help us to not let fear become our idol, to not let fear become our ruler, not to let fear become our God. But help us to hold on to that faith. And even when things are murky and we just don't know what it will be, that we hold on to that faith that you won't abandon us, that you will be right there with us in the midst of it all and that you will walk with us no matter what comes of it. But just help us to remain strong and help us to overcome that fear so that way we don't make unwise decisions and cause chaos and destruction. Lord, we just thank you for this time to be able to read scripture together and to meditate on it. And I ask a special blessing for all those who have been listening and that you will Make your presence known to them each and every day. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.